All right, welcome back to the Red Sox Rundown. Uh, pretty pretty disappointing uh, vibe since we last recorded. We were last recorded after the Braves series, which can't quite remember what the record was. But, I mean, we were in a great position. We were all hyped up. Uh, and then we went on that West Coast trip, which some will say is uh, a little unfair since we just went on one. But uh, things didn't go well. Today it's just me and Isaac. Um, we'll start by talking about the West Coast trip, which we went two and four on. Um, and in reality, we probably should have been four and two, um, in the giant series. If you can remember back, um, I mean, we gave up that walk off after tying the game, which, I mean, the giants still kind of deserve that one. Um, but I mean, look, Devers, uh, made a terrible play that would have been a dub for the Red Sox. And then if you go to Seattle, yeah, if you go to Seattle, in game one, they were two for 11 with runners in scoring position and played terrible defense. And then in game three of that series, they had a three-run lead, and Cora put in terrible relievers, <laughs> and he he didn't manage that well. But we're going to talk about this later, and I know we both have big opinions on this. Yes, I was bad on Cora, but his job is really hard right now with what Himes given him and with the injuries. So... I mean, that's three games I just pointed out that if they win, they're 61 and 51 right now. That's 10 games over 500 and two games back. And who knows how the J series goes if they win those games. So the, that West Coast trip, as much as you can say, oh, West Coast trip is hard, two and four, both good teams. Losing those games they should have won really hurt them, in my opinion. What do you yeah. think about the West Coast trip? I mean, I agree with everything that you said spot on. I, I think the most winnable games that they absolutely threw away was game three versus the Giants. I mean, they they have an opener. He's average. And then you have Ross Stripling, who's been awful. You can't hit him. Finally, in the seventh, Duvall hits a home run. And then we take the lead in the eighth. It's like, all right, Turner just hit a huge homer. We're not losing this game, right? Well, that's wrong. We ended up losing – on a walk-off because the incompetence we saw in extra innings, back-to-back games, was just terrible. And then game three. On the three, first pitch. <laughs> yeah. And then in game three versus Seattle, that, I was pissed. I was, like, furious. It's 3 nothing. Cutter goes five innings, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. And then, like you said, Coors – I mean, he's not been given a good situation. You you can't have three starters, which one of the, starters, one of the starters can only five go five innings, innings which, which is, is not against him, but that's just who he is. He's a five starter or a bulk reliever, and he's yeah, put C- in the Cutter's third been starter on the really team. good. His four of his last five starts, so he's not the issue. But you so get what we're saying. Job. Yeah, what's up? I'd say he's done his job. Like, that's what you ask of him, and it just sucks that he's the third guy behind a rookie and injured veteran. Yep, exactly. So, like like Aiden said, Cora's not really been given a good situation. Then Seattle, use a Rusty Schreiber who did not have it. He sucked. But, like, at the same time, your, your bullpen's so fatigued. What do you do? You can't overuse guys. You're going to have to use your non-leverage guys. Like Blyer, who got DFA, thank God. <laughs> but when you're giving three starters, and like we said, and two openers, your bullpen is going to be fatigued and overused, and it's going to catch up. Like, this is just a simple mindset. It's nothing analytically I'm going against or whatever. But in baseball, starting pitching 
is what carries a team and what wins in October. Yep. Okay, so let's talk about the deadline. So that we talked about the West Coast trip. Deadline was in the kind of at the end of that. Um, you know, a lot of us. Uh, I don't know what you exactly expected, but I mean, I did expect maybe a Jack Flaherty, a Jordan Montgomery, a Tommy Edmonds, something, especially from the starting pitching market. And you know, as the clock ticked and it just it was looking really bad, and we were watching the team in front of us get Hicks and DeYoung and. It's like, man, like if they're going to get better and we're going to stay pat, like I know we get sale back and everything. We'll talk about that later. But guys, like have some urgency. Like you don't have to trade your top prospects to get mid starters to help your bullpen out. I mean, even a Jack Flaherty, like he's not an ace, but he's a guy who can give you innings. He can help your bullpen. Like it just having a rotation is important. Um, And we didn't do anything. And I think that it affected the clubhouse's motivation. I mean, you saw the Blue Jays series. They didn't show up at all. And partly that's on them. But, man, like, it's hard to have motivation if the front office is like, yeah, this isn't the year, guys. Like, what are your thoughts on the deadline? Hated it. Infuriating. (laughs) I'm surprised I'm more mad at you about it. When your manager, your face of the franchise, Justin Turner, Kenley Jansen, all four – have won a road series. I don't care if it's the fake 2020 season or whatever. They've they've all experienced a road series championship. The American League is wide open. The only team I might be scared of is Houston. I think Toronto's rotation is up there, but there's there's I don't think there's like that one team like the Braves in the National League where they just stand out more than anybody else. If the Baltimore yeah. Orioles who are going to make the playoffs. If if you look at the rotation, you're, you're scared to compete with that. That's a loser mindset. And when you're two and a half games or one and a half games back, believe in your fucking manager and players who've all experienced a World Series and make the team better. I was all yeah, bye, yeah. bye, bye. And then what we do, oh, we get Luis Arise, which by the fact I like the move because it costed a random prospect. And he's statistically better than Pablo Reyes and Christian Arroyo or and Yu Chang. So whatever. But that's not doing anything. You're not you're not replacing an injured star second baseman as if the Blue Jays replaced Bo Bichette, who got injured with Paul DeYoung, and he's been really good defensively for them. It's a small stuff like that where it really just gets to me because we've all experienced this once beloved organization who competed for October and won championships. They made out and traded prospects, N- not even big name guys during the de- during the deadline. I mean, Nathan Navali was not like oh, some wow guy at the deadline. Neither was Steve Pierce. And they got the World Series MVP for Espinal, who's just like a like a bench kind of player for Toronto. Oh yeah, Blue, Blue Jays fans hate him this season. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like things like that, like. Like, no, we're not asking you to trade Meyer and Anthony. Now, if you did find something great, then do it. But we're not asking you to trade no, you know, the guys not. you think are the future. We're asking you to trade decent prospects that have value that are blocked because we already have five or six positions locked in for the next five, six years. So why do we need to hoard these prospects? Part of building a great farm is to use them as tools to get your major league team better. Yep, that's what the Braves have done. That's what the Dodgers have done. And the thing are prospects, you can never predict them. They're so random, and they don't pan out as much as fans think. Yes, it's it's important to have an elite farm. I mean, we're looking at the Orioles, the Braves, at all those guys. 
But when your team's ready to win and compete, that's when you start trading some of them. And then you maintain your consistent development and drafting and what you believe in. And that's all it takes to be in a great spot. Now, it's easier said than done, of course, but that's what the Braves are doing. So the Dodgers are doing. The Padres did that, but they screwed it up. That's what you need to do. The Heat Astros did it, but now their farm sucks. But well, what I don't they want to compete like, for rings. <laughs> we don't need like people are like, oh well, Dylan Cease and Mitch Keller, they cost a lot. Yeah, I get that. If you can't find a great deal there, you don't have to do it. But if you like a guy like Jack Flaherty or like someone in that kind of tier would not have costed you a lot, and it significantly helps your team with the whole opener thing. I mean, we'll talk about this J-Series. I mean, if you have a Jack Flaherty there, number one, it helps your like team's confidence that, oh, our, our GM helped us out. And two, that's that means you have Pavetta, Flaherty, and Paxton going to that series. You can deploy the bullpen way differently. You're more confident. It's just a whole a whole thing. So – I just don't understand why they didn't do that. They didn't, uh, so we'll have to live with it. We'll talk about the offseason later, but, yeah, just a bad deadline. Let's talk about the Jays series. And something interesting about the series is, like, they so they came in two games back, which is kind of surprising because they, they just went two and four. Um, but they came in two games back, and you're thinking, all right, there's four possible outcomes. You sweep and you jump them, which would have been amazing. You take two out of three and you're one game back going into that easy stretch. That's a great situation, too. Hell, you even lose two out of three, you're only three games back going into the easy stretch. Three games back going into the easy stretch is manageable. But you get swept, and you're five games back. And not only do you get swept, you get swept doing stupid stuff, bad defense, bad base running. Alex Verdugo's getting benched because he's not showing up. Like You get blown out. You get swept in the worst way possible, and now you're five games out. Like, the worst possible thing. One win changes everything. I feel like people don't understand that. I mean, yeah, you lose three consecutive series, but, dude, you're, like, three games back playing trash teams, which we're going to talk about. Like, man, you just got to find a way to win one. Yeah, I mean, first pitch of the series, Whit Merrifield hits a home run, and we're like, oh, so this is what it's going to be. We're going to get embarrassed, and that's exactly what happened. Probably the worst brand of baseball I've seen from this team all year. It, it was embarrassing. Yeah. And it is their fault. But as we said earlier, what if they just felt disrespected by not making their team better? And yes, they're professionals and they shouldn't not allow this to happen. But it's hard to be motivated and be like, all right, like they're not going to help the team. Like that's bullshit. Why am I here type mentality? And it gets you it gets to you mentally. And at the same time, slumps happen, bad pitching, bad defense. They all happen. Fortunately with the Red Sox, it happens way too much. And the Blue Jays were better in every single aspect. It was an embarrassing series. Yeah. Um don't even get me started on the ending of game two and what happened in game three. It was a miserable pain. everything negative. Just think about and watch about that series. Yeah, and like talking about like we're talking about the openers and stuff. In game one, the Red Sox get down early, right? We're like, oh, Paxton doesn't have it. But then Durant hits a two-run shot, and you're right back in it. And that should have been a huge momentum swing, right? Like, you're right back in it. I can't remember what happened in the fourth. Wasn't there a bad defensive play that let the Blue Jays go up 4-2? It 
It was. Uh, I think there was a bad defensive Devers. play that went up four two. Okay, yeah, Devers. So if you keep that three two, I mean, Casas or Devers. That, that's them. another run. Um, but my main point is that game ended seven seven to three. Uh, but you had to put in the Joe Vera guy after Paxson in a two run game because you know why? Because you have because you have two openers. You have to put him in. Cora has no choice. You have to play for tomorrow because you know you need everybody for tomorrow or that's a guaranteed loss. So you have to put in that guy where let's say you have Flaherty going the next day. You could have put in a Schreiber or somebody who's competent. And that can change the whole game. Like if you make a good defensive play, you're only down three two and you just put in a good reliever, that changes the whole game. So that's why the deadline is so big. And a lot of people are like, Oh, well, it doesn't matter because we win our opener games. Well, guess what? In August we play thirty games in like thirty two days. So in July we had a bunch of off days. So it, the opener worked. And props to the Red Sox for making it work for as long as they did. But think about guys like Cora and the pitching staff and the pitching coach who were like, okay, we made it work this long. Now we have this thing called a deadline where we can actually erase our problems and add to the staff. And now we don't have to do this thing where it's not sustainable and Heim does nothing. Um, so that's game one. And then game two, oh, my God. Like, is Chang going to come up big in that spot if McGuire doesn't get thrown out? Probably not. But – Another thing in that game, Alex Verdugo should be able to pinch hit for Yu Chang, but he can't even show up on time. And I know he's going through some personal stuff, but this is apparently this isn't a new issue. Apparently, he's been doing this since his Dodger days. He's always the last one to come in. So, I mean, just an awful brand of baseball. What happened? Second game, they were two for seven with runners in scoring position. If I can remember, did they make two errors in that game? And I think it costed them multiple runs. So they lost I, I by one run, happened. made two errors. Yeah, they they lost by one run. They made two errors. They and then they did the horrible base running mistake. The only good thing from that game was the Devers tying three run home run, which like game one with Duran's homer should have been momentum. It should have been all right, let's go, boys. And no, it wasn't. And then the last game, you just I mean, that's just that's a TV off type game. I mean, you're starting Bernardino which is fine. But then Murphy, he's Murphy is theoretically your starting pitcher against in the biggest game of the year. He can't even get three innings. He gives up six runs. Uh, a lot of it was on Duran because he couldn't catch the ball and he was blaming the sun again. Um, so if he catches that ball, who knows how that game goes. But he like alligator armed it and just like looked up at the sun. I'm like, okay, doofus, stop looking up at the sun and catch the ball. Like you don't see Kiermaier doing that. Um, so, yeah, I mean that – Game three was just embarrassing, man. I mean, it just started off on a bad note. You can't catch a ball. But, I mean, all that to say, my two main points is having the openers just wasn't going to work out anymore. And you got to be smarter. You got to play better defense. You got to play. You got to have better base running. And, look, you get swept. If you can just find a way to win one of those games, three games back is way more manageable than five. And now we're in a spot where we're going to have to pretty much go 9-1 and one in this 10-game stretch to even get within three, right? Because the Blue Jays are playing Cleveland without Jose Ramirez. Like, are they going to lose any of those games? Probably not. Who do they? I don't know who they play next, but I did look at their Blue Jays schedule, and they have a very easy schedule. So the only way that we can get back in it is if we play – go on one of our roller coaster stretches where we go 10-1. and one. But then Isaac – Every time we do that, we go zero and seven. Yeah, and after this <laughs> like easy stretch, there, like, they played 
to two of the best teams in baseball. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't, other than I don't have anything else from the Blue Jays series. Do you have anything? Um, Just unacceptable behavior from Verdugo. He's lost a lot of respect for me and a lot of the fan base. And I, I just don't think he's going to be here next year. If, if Cora's going to stay and he doesn't want him, he's not going to be here. It's just like a very I, I think situation. I think he gets kept in the off season, but I I wouldn't be surprised to see him traded at the deadline. Okay, but I want to talk about the Red Sox and the Blue Jays schedules. But before we do that, uh, let's talk about Trevor's story. So he couldn't come back this weekend, which I mean, I was really like disappointed, but at the same time, like I understand. Um, but he is coming back today, and something interesting I didn't realize this. I don't know if you did. He's not going to play every day. He's going to play almost – he's going to play every other day, and some of them are going to be DHs for the next 10, 10 or so days. Um, I didn't know if you knew that or not, but he's basically going to play six out of 10 or 11 games and DH some of them. So, yes, he's coming back, but he's playing – he's not playing every day, which is interesting. I mean, I, I get it, but at the same time, why? Like, is it a health thing? If – if he's healthy, it shouldn't be. I mean, he's what I don't understand is why he almost why every day in the minors. And why, then why can't he DH in the games that he can't field? I don't understand that. And yeah, and when you have Yoshida and Turner, who endeavors and Casas, who are your four <laughs> biggest defensive players, and all, yeah, nobody can play the defense on our team. But the it's like he, one of those has to be at DH, so it's just. Even if Storr's not playing shortstop, why can't he play second? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't – I kind of get like, okay, you have a four-game series, play him in three games. Like, I kind of get that for the first week, but if he's healthy, he's healthy. We, I mean, this isn't the time to ease guys in. I mean, if you really wanted to ease him in, just sit him out and let him play in 2024. Like, if you're, if you're that scared – and like if yeah. he needs to play it's like, like an highest team play, contract <laughs> hello yeah like like i you don't have to play like 10 games in a row right but if you want to be a little more cautious with him i get that but we can't be doing every other day for a month so i mean i don't think they will uh and then the other thing i wanted to talk to you about is chris sale it, i don't think he's built up to go six seven innings um so i assume he's gonna go like three or four innings to be piggybacked by Eventually, when Hout gets back, which who knows? I mean, the poor guy just got nailed in the face and can't come back. But you could go like Sale for four and Hout for three. But when Sale just comes back, I'm thinking they might do some sort of like Bernardino one inning and then Sale four innings and then bullpen. So, I mean, he's coming back, but it doesn't really solve your problems with the whole opener thing. I mean, maybe him and Pavetta can go together. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting, too. Uh, what are your expectations from Sale? Do you even have any? Um, I was watching his rehab. He kind of looked like himself from what we saw before his injury, so I'm pretty confident he'll do his job out there. And like you said, I think he's like first two or three starts, even maybe for the rest of the year, they're just going to be easy on him so he doesn't get injured again. Maybe like a four or five inning guy. And I wouldn't say Pavetta, but maybe like Winkowski or someone who can go two innings backs him up after. So I think Pavetta should be your every fifth day opener. And maybe, maybe a merch Chris Murphy into that like multi-inning guy where he can go in in like close games and not Lovera or Blyer, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to look at – so just briefly, the Blue Jays – I mean, if you're a Red Sox fan, you know about our schedule. I mean, you know, it's Kansas City, Washington, and Detroit, and the Yankees before that hard schedule. Um, so that's 12 more games in that hard schedule as Pablo Reyes somehow hit a home run last night and won the game. Um, but the Blue Jays are in the middle of a four-game series with Cleveland, and they're terrible. Uh, they literally cannot hit. Then they play the Cubs, who are hot, and then they play the Phillies, who are good. Then they play the Reds, who are, like, just in a bad state right now. Um, and then they play Baltimore, is good. But then they get Cleveland, Washington, Colorado, and Oakland, and Kansas City all back-to-back. So oh, my gosh. They're getting – yeah, they're getting six, seven. They're getting ten games in a row with atrocious teams. Cleveland can't hit. Washington and Colorado and Oakland are terrible. And then they get Kansas City. So the Blue Jays do finish with Texas, Boston, New York, Tampa Bay, New York, Tampa Bay. So they finish with a hard schedule. But why we're in that Los Angeles Dodgers and Houston Astros stretch, they're getting guys like Kansas City, Colorado, and Oakland. And that wouldn't be a problem if we were tied with them because we also have an easy schedule, but we're five games back. We do have the tiebreaker, so all we have to do is tie them. But is there enough games to make up five five games? Remember, when the Red Sox were 14-5, and five, they made up like two games. So do we have the time to catch them? And the only reason, like the only way we can do that is if we're going to go what we have 12 games left against these trash teams we got to go nine and three minimum that's the only chance we have we have to sweep this royal series we got to sweep the tigers we got to sweep washington we got to go two and three against new york like there's not enough margin for error to go a couple games above 500 so basically what i'm trying to ask you is i mean how confident are you that we have a chance and knowing this team they'll probably will get within two games and then go on a 10 game losing streak like they always do but I mean, what are you thinking? What are your playoff odds in your head now? I'm going to go 11%. It was at like 30 before the J series, but. What if they were only three games back? I would say 20. If they just won game two, 20. Okay. Yeah. um, The high people don't want to hear this, but like. All it would have taken was like one starter, and like we could have won that series, and then just one game back, and we were in a great spot. Like, think about that West Coast trip. Think about those games we could have won, and then think about the Blue Jays series if that went differently. We could have been tied or ahead with them going into our easy stretch, and we just threw it away. And San, it started in San Francisco, and those last series, three series, it is all it took for them to throw it away. Yeah, and then you—I mean—you hear these fans are like, "Oh, thank God Heim didn't buy. This team's not good." I'm like, "That's not what you were saying two weeks ago before the deadline." And I also don't understand the argument when they're like, "Like, because like I like we both like a lot of things that Heim's done, but like, oh, this team sucks, guys. This is Heim's team. <laughs> like, you can't say Heim is like the goat and then say his team sucks. Like, that doesn't add up. Like, you can say he's good at some stuff and bad at other stuff. Like, have some. Don't be so biased, but." Yeah, man. I mean, we'll we'll just have to watch and see how it plays out. I mean, you really your only hope now is like if Cleveland can somehow rattle off a couple wins and why Bichette's hurt. I mean, the, the the tough part is now you're relying on them to lose. Now, I will say if I want to try to be a little positive, the Red Sox do have one more series against the Blue Jays. So if they can like not collapse and if they can gain a couple games on the Jays. If they go out there and they sweep the Jays, 
then you can tie them. So that Jays series might be everything. If you can get within three games and at least just give your chance, give yourself a chance to sweep them, then you feel a little bit better. But that's in Toronto. When is that? Uh, that's going to be. Let's see. That's uh, September 15th through the 17th, that weekend series. So that'll be something to circle on your calendar if we're still in it. Um, and let's hope they show up that time. Uh, do you want to talk about the off season, like what you want Heim to do? Uh, yeah, but before we talk about that, I think these next three games, because they have a four-game series versus Cleveland, and we have a four-game series versus KC, I think the goal should be to go one or two games up. I'm I'm gonna assume Toronto loses one game at least. If if he can just game one or two games after the series, it's it's a small process. You like you said, you got to get within three games when he played the Jays. I know this is silly, but like you cannot fall to six games. Like five games is like the maximum in my like the way I view it. Like you have to either stay at five or gain ground. Like once you fall to six, I think season's over. Six games is too hard to unless Toronto collapses. So. That's why you just hope Cleveland can maybe win two of the next three. And if you sweep the Royals and you're only three games back, you okay, how many weeks are left in the season? Let's see. One, oh, two, eight. three, four, five, six. Yeah, there's about eight. So we're five games out. If you can gain one game a week, that's to be your mindset as a clubhouse. Gain if you if you can because you can't control what Toronto does when you don't play them. Just gain one game a week. Like, this week we have Kansas City, Detroit. The next week we have Washington. Then you just gotta play. You got, you're going to have to play good ball against Houston and L.A. And like, that's going to be tough. That's 10 straight games against Houston and L.A. Like, you is it crazy to say you have to go 6-4? and four? Like, I know they're great, but yeah. you can't go 500. You're going to lose ground. Yeah, they'll go like, to 6-4. The, the Jays play Colorado and Oakland when we play them. They're not going to lose, like, one game, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why – you know what? I You might have to gain two or three games in the next two weeks while you play Washington and Detroit. Yeah, you Because have that's going to be a tough stretch. Or if it stays the same or it goes down and the season's over. And you're probably going to have to sweep Kansas City to begin se- September because then you play Tampa Bay and Baltimore. And don't forget Seattle's ahead of us. And the Yankees are only a game. I don't now. honestly. I'm just looking at. I'm just looking at Toronto because I think it's either us or Toronto. Um, but yeah, I mean that's interesting. Well, I don't have a lot of hope, but listen, this team, we all know they can change, and all it takes is another team to beat Toronto a couple times for us to get back in it. Um, that's why I'm so disappointed. If we just won one game against Toronto, three games isn't that hard to make up. You can make that up in a week. Um, it, but yeah, it could have happened with the starting um, pitcher. Yeah, yeah, it could have. Basically, in my opinion, this offseason, the two main things they need to work on, they need starting pitching and not just one. They need multiple. And it, it it's not just like – it's not like Rich Hill, Michael Walker, Martin Perez. Like they need they need a true ace and a true number three to go with Bayo. Um, and because you, you can't count on Sale. You can't really count on Whitlock or Hauk. Crawford can be your five. You don't know what you're going to get from Pavetta. So, like, you need to be going into next season with insert ace, Bayo, insert number three, stale Crawford, something like that. 
And then the other thing for me is I want to get way better defensively. I don't know how you're going to do it. You're going to have to DH Yoshida or something and go get a great outfielder. Uh, I'm tired of watching this. Story at short will help, but I'm tired of watching just errors and errors and errors. If this team is half decent defense, they're in the playoffs right now. Um, and it just under under the high boom era, it's been terrible. Um, and I'm just tired of watching it. Devers is regressing, so that's probably on coaching or maybe the money got to him. Costas has not been good. I don't know. I didn't know much about him in the minors because I don't really follow the minors. I don't know if this is normal for him. Um, Duran is improving, but he still has a noodle arm. Yoshida is like a penguin in left field. Um, so, I mean, they're just not good defensively. Um, and then the other thing is if Turner leaves, they need another right-handed bat. But those are the three things for me to focus on. My main thing is acquire a number one starter. I don't care how you do it. If you have to trade top prospects for one, do it. And yeah. sign a number three or number four. Um, like my perfect ideal like offseason would be like signing Yamamoto or trading for Corbin Burns. And then you you go ahead and sign a Blake Snow or a Aaron Nola. Who else is up there? I would take Lorenzen. He's I mean he's a four. Um Montgomery. If you sign one of those guys in an ace, like all right, are you have a serious one through five rotation? If you traded for Burns and signed Montgomery and got a little bit better defensively, I think you're a playoff team. I really do. I do because with this offense and this bullpen, people don't realize like Martin and Jansen are here next year. Like we we're still gonna have this good bullpen, especially if you put Whitlock and Howe and Triber, like our bullpen's going to be good next year, like barring injuries. So, yeah, if you improve the rotation and defense, we're still going to hit. Like all of our good hitters are staying unless Turner leaves, but you can you can replace Turner with some guys on the market. Maybe they're not going to be quite as good, but listen, our office, we know our office is going to be top 10 again. We know our bullpen is going to be top 10. We got to fix the rotation. We got to fix the defense and maybe fix some coaching. I don't know if it's Cora yeah. or if it's like Co- Fabulous or. <laughs> Maybe maybe get some new voices in here, and like I know, like we're not in the dugout, so we don't we truly don't know if they're good or bad, or if it's on the players, or like anytime you blame the pitching coach or hitting coach, we don't know if it's really on them, but we can guess. And with this like much bad defense, yes, you can say it's roster construction, guys playing out of position all the time, and unathletic roster. But with this many mistakes, it's got to be somewhat on the coaching, right? I mean, so I maybe fix that a little bit, but. Uh, my last question for you is: Does Heim is Heim here this time next year? In your opinion, do you think he will be? No. And do you think this is a after the season firing, or do you think it's like a twenty twenty four goes bad and then he's, he's fired after the season? So this is why. Dave like you think in like October. Late October, after the World Series, or like mid October, yeah. Because Heim built a great farm, and now if we can just get a Dave Dombrowski type guy, he can use those tools. So this is Heim my reasoning. Use the tools, in my opinion. Turrington and Dombrowski won a World Series here, and they got fired in year four. When ownership, and you you can say all you want, I do believe ownership wanted like a new way of Red Sox baseball, which was building up young talent, building up the farm. Which he did a good job of. When you make an ALCS and you only get worse 
after you make the ALCS, that's where I think ownership's not too happy. I mean, we saw the 2021 deadline. They put Arroyo in right field. They traded for JBJ. I mean, the rotation was, what, opening day, it was Ovaldi. Pa- Nick Pavetta was your fucking game two starter in the season. Like, well, and that- Corey Kluber was our ace this year. <laughs> yeah, and so you let e- you let Erod walk, you let Evaldi walk, which I understood. Say what you want about Xander, but you let him walk, and I know blah, 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 he's hurt, he's not that good. If you get an extension a few years ago, say what you want. I know it's hindsight. He still is a top 10 shortstop because all the other shortstops are bad this year for whatever reason. If he's playing good defense this year, is that a Kike? Guess what? We're in a playoff spot. So I know you want to whine about Xander and he's not been that good. He probably – I think he would have been better here. Um, I'm, that's not to say he would have been an all-star, but I don't know. It's just it's just sad. Uh, to your yeah. point, like going to a – going so close to a World Series to – potentially two last place finishes is say what you want about the farm, but I just think it's unacceptable from the major league, uh, like major league, uh, talent. And just to go, to go from that close to being able to play the Braves to back to back last place is just kind of unacceptable. And when we see this team struggle, it's usually because the offense is inconsistent and you lose a lot of run one a lot of one-run games, like 3-4, 2-3, three, 4-5. And, and it's always on an error. It's always on it's an, always error. an error. Or, like, a relief pitcher being overused or just a re- bullpen's tired. That's what I mean. Like, we could have used a pitcher or two. Get those shitty non-leverage guys off my baseball team and add me a guy who will help us get to October. And everybody in October is 0-0. I don't care what you say. Oh, this team's not good enough. And we I, I don't care. We I do not care. Teams. So many 84-85 win baseball teams have won a World Series. Like, you get in there, you're 0-0. Zero and zero. Look at the Florida Panthers. They beat the best NHL team in history in the first round. That they go in the deadline and be like, oh, I don't believe in this team. I, I, I don't think they can win. No, they didn't do that. And th- that's and guess where what? I think... we're good against we're good against good teams. We're like a top yeah, three team against good teams. We're like the th- second or third best team in baseball against teams above five hundred. And number one is the Braves, who are by far the best team in baseball. And, and it's just a it, it really pissed me off. And going back to Heim, I think ownership is starting to realize that fans are getting fed up and they're just not going to get season tickets anymore if they continue to see this. And I'll like say what you want. If, if you love Heim or hate Heim, well, if you love him, he's by far the most hated Red Sox CBO GM I have ever seen from the fan base, and it's not even close. And the thing and about Heim is, a like, ton he's, of haters. A, he's a good dude, and like he has a lot of strengths. He really does. Like to be but, able to build that farm that he did was really impressive. And he made like the Yoshida move huge hit. Like he, Whitlock. Uh, Bernardino, like Schreiber, like he hits on a lot of things. I just don't know if he's the right guy for Boston. I and that's like I'm not hating on him. I just don't think that he is going to have the urgency to say, "All right, I I got this amazing prospect with my hard work. We're going to move him because we need this starting pitcher to win the World Series." And I don't think he has that in him. I really don't. Oh yeah, a thousand percent agree with you. When you're too risk adverse. It's not going to work in Boston. The Yankees were like that for the past five or so years. And look at them. They didn't win jack shit. They never passed Houston. They never traded that top guy for a top starter or a top player. And 
it's okay to trade guys. You're not going to win every trade. It's not. I mean, the Dodgers traded Jordan Alvarez for a fucking reliever. You just never know. But yeah. when you continue, like, if you if you trust yourself that good to develop a farm and keep drafting well, trade them. That, that's what the Dodgers That's what do. people don't realize. Like, guess what? Yeah, trust you your development. Of, you get rid of uh, prospects, but guess what? There's a draft every year. You get more people. There's an international, like, draft. Like, you're getting more and more people every year to keep building that farm. Just because you get rid of a couple, like we already have a first baseman. We already have a third baseman. We already have outfielders. You can get rid of those positions. We already have Trevor Story at short. You can get rid of uh, like some shortstops, even not named Marcelo Meyer. Like we have these pieces that we can get rid of. And so I just, I don't understand why, where the lack of urgency comes from. Um, but I mean, I'm hoping if Heim doesn't get fired and he has a great offseason, then I would love him to prove me wrong. I really would because I think he's I think he's really smart and I think that he knows how to build a farm. I just want to see him make that move that says, all right, I built this farm. We're going to compete in the AL East, the hardest division maybe ever in the history of baseball in 2023-2024. We're not going to compete with the rising Orioles and the Rays and, and the Jays if we're going to be going with you know, deadlines with Urias instead of big names. We're not going to compete. And so we just need to see a couple of big moves this offseason and actually emphasize a position we need. Like when – what was our biggest starting pitching move in the Heim era? That, the fact that I have to think about that so hard. Is it is Corey Kluber the most money? Because he, he got Garrett Richards, Martin Perez, Corey Kluber, Rich Hill, Michael Waka. Is that is that really everybody he got? And he traded for Pavetta. That is interesting. I am sorry. He didn't, he didn't get Evaldi. He didn't get Sale. He he didn't draft Bayo. He didn't – like, those are his five free agent – Pitching he moves. Paxton. <laughs> That's his best one yet. Okay, Paxton. Paxton. So he got Paxton who like that was a really like good low. But like oh my god. When so, he like, only hit on him and Waka out of like six, seven starters, it's not a sustainable recipe of success. You're not the Tampa real, Bay Rays. Like, <laughs> Paxton's probably a three and he's hurt and Waka was like really good for us, but like he's not gonna start game one or game two of a playoff series. So like where's my ace? Like I can't what the GMs before, like, they all had bigger starting pitching moves than that. Like, Dombrowski had Sale. We had Price. We had, like, way bigger moves. Even, like, poor, the trade for Porcello. Like, we, we got to do better than Michael Walker as our best free agent pitcher, right? Yeah, I mean, the fact that you said that kind of makes me sick. It's Boston. I, I like Heim, and I think he's smart and a good GM or CBO, whatever. But like you said, I just don't think he's the right guy for Boston. I think he's like the perfect guy for like the Royals or Cleveland. Like the white, if the White Sox can grab him in their rebuild, that's that's great for them because he could he can build a competitive team with those low like out of nowhere moves. He's great at those. I give him that. It's like similar to the, the Rays do, but as far as coaching, developing MLB talent, we're not the Rays. It's like we can't make this random dude who had a seven hundred OPS in AAA all of a sudden be in the majors and hit like an 830 OPS. No, we just can't do that. Like y'all are smarter than us. Yeah. 
All right, last thing for me. What are your predictions from now to the Yankees series? There's 12 games. What do you think we go? After the Yankees series? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go – we go 3-1 and one versus Kansas City. I'm going to go – Three and zero versus Detroit, and we lose the series against the Washington Nationals, and we beat New York two one. So that's nine and three. But nine yeah, and four, nine I, and four. I think we go three and one against the Royals. I think we actually no. I think I think we sweep the Royals, and I think we sweep uh, Washington, and I think we go two and one against. Uh, Detroit and two and one against the Yankees. So I think that's ten and two. I just I, I actually do think we're gonna light it up because that's just what the twenty twenty three Red Sox do. They just do these stretches. And then I don't even want to predict the next stretch against the hard stretch. I just don't even want to think about that right now. I just want to think about <laughs> us crushing bad teams and let's see where it takes us. Yeah, I don't want to think about uh Mookie J D and Kike all hitting home runs at Fenway when they come into town. <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna be bad. Imagine if KK <laughs> just goes like, like seven for like fifteen with two homers and all like game winning hit. Oh my god, <laughs> Mookie's gonna hit so many homers. Why yeah, first, is he? Why is he hitting more homers than Rafael Devers? That's what I want. Is he actually? <laughs> He's thirty two. He's hit more homers than Devers in the last two years by far. He hit thirty something last year. Devers hit twenty six. He's gonna hit forty this year, and Devers has twenty like seven right now. Like, what's going on? That's actually crazy. Like Mookie Betts is a better power hitter than Devers right now, objectively. I'm like, and why? It, <laughs> and when he's doing that, so there's not a single thing Devers is better than that <laughs> than Mookie. <laughs> yeah, and, we all and love keep Rafi. that in mind. <laughs> Mookie, yeah, this is nothing against Raffy. It's just kind of like a. It's more of like, why is Mookie Betts getting better? Like I, he needs to decline, but like good for him. Like I don't have any ill will to Luki, and we can talk about the trade for hours, and we probably will. But it is what it is. I mean, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, that's all I got. So hopefully the Red Sox win today, and they keep winning, and Toronto loses, and they give us false hope again. So yeah, that's all you got. Yep. All right. Thank you Wait. for listening. What's up? Oh, yeah, that's all I got. No, you're good. All right. Thank you for listening. Go follow us at Sox Rundown on Twitter. Give us a like, follow, retweet. Uh, ask us any questions or feel free to comment on our tweets and page. Thank you.